Anytime you're ready. Hello, everybody. My name is Alex. I'm here with my husband, Shane. Baby Lou is in bed. The cat is in her room. And I am so glad that you can join us for happy hour for this Family Tree Podcast, episode 23. Is the cat actually in her room? No, no, no. I'm going to go see where she is. Okay. That's a good reminder. It is. That's why we added it into the opening. <laughs> oh, I'm covered in cat hair now. Okay. And I am drinking right now a real beer. And this one's for the fellas because Guy's Corner is really taking off. Shane, what kind of beer are you drinking? It's an interesting one. It's a yingling. It's your brother's favorite beer when we're on vacation. Well, the funny thing is that Roseanne actually brought those for my brother. And uh, we were talking on the phone on Thursday night and he's been really sick. But he's really excited to come and pick up those yinglings. No. Why didn't, <laughs> why didn't you tell me that? I did. A long time ago, but it's fine. You did? He's taking his time. Snoozy loose. Well, just tell him they expired. <laughs> Does beer expire? I do not know these things. And uh, I am drinking a, it's a spiced, like a mulled wine, essentially. Mm. I bought it to drink over Christmas, never drank it over Christmas. So now I'm having it and I didn't heat it up beforehand, which you're supposed to do. So today was a bit of a rush. Cheers. Cheers. And we have the camera extremely close to us on your request. I do not like the camera this close. It feels weird. Don't know if it looks as good, but you made this decision. Well, we're so. going to check it out. We're, we're always tr- improving, we're always trying things. And you told me, you've messaged me several times today, even though we, we've been in the same house, you've texted me. <laughs> today is going to be a great podcast episode. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. I'm talking to two different pelvic floor specialists today, and This is a huge topic. Obviously, being a guy who hasn't given birth, you don't have problems with your pelvic floor. Men can have pelvic floor issues, but you don't have any related to childbirth. You don't know what it's like to pee when you sneeze, when you laugh, when you run, when you jump, when you try to do anything. And it's an issue. I've sharded if that helps. Right. Well, our hearts bleed for you, baby. No, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to I'm trying to relate to the women. You said I wouldn't like know how to relate. Okay, no. All right. Uh, I'm not asking for sympathy. <laughs> well, my sympathy is extended regardless because sharding's no fun. Okay, Mrs. Perfect. Have you ever sharded? No. You've never sharded? No. I pee when I laugh all the time. Have you ever farted when you laugh? Yeah. Okay. You know that. But uh, I just wanted to see if you'd let the listeners know. Oh, absolutely. Open book. But um, it's an issue that so many women face, whether or not you've had a baby. Like uh, really elite athletes, even just moderate athletes, often have pelvic floor issues. Lots of women have pelvic floor issues. So I'm really excited to kind of delve into it with the two specialists. You're not the only one who's excited about that call. Oh, babe, it's going to be so much fun. No, I'm here to learn. And But, you know, this is the part of the show where we kind of talk about our lives and our week yeah so how was your week alex my week was okay it was it was pretty crazy so as you guys know uh two weeks ago i really barely worked at all because i was so sick and then this week i'm i'm a supply teacher so we only get day-to-day contracts so if i don't have work that day like if no school needs me i don't make money and i lose out on the you know 250 dollars or whatever the whole family loses the out. Whole- Alex. we <laughs> share a bank the account reminder. no all i'm saying is you're letting the family down <laughs> fuck you hey what 
By the way, you've been swearing way more ever since you saw Chloe Wilde has a show on Crave and you noticed she dropped two F-bombs. Oh, get out of here. You, that was the best part of the show. Alex, be nice. Oh, it was. that's a good thing. It was the best part. Okay. But you have not swear, said the F-word at all. And then in the last two episodes, you've said F already four times. And we're just 10 minutes into this episode. So already cool not. the jets there, Miss Supply all Teacher. All right, all right. So anyhow, uh, on Tuesday, we had a strike because our unions are having a hard time bargaining with the government who's not being fair. And it's, it's a really convoluted issue. So on Tuesday, we spent striking. So again, missing out on a paycheck, walking around in minus 10 degrees, striking. They throw you 50 bucks, though, for these strikes. The union does. Yeah, not the government, but the union does. Yeah. So still. we're making 50 bucks. So that'll buy the food for the day or whatever, but... Oh, they do, they give you in cash or an IOU? No, or? we uh, we pick up a check from the union office. When do you get the check? Uh, I can get it starting on Monday. Hmm. Then didn't get a call on Wednesday because high schools are in exams. And with the strike and everything, I guess people weren't taking the day off. So I didn't work on, which was Wednesday, got a job on Thursday. And then Friday was a PA day. Mm -hmm. So it was awful. And I spent a lot of last week feeling really guilty. And it's hard when you are a working mom. But then, I mean, I, there's so few people that I think are in a position that they can relate when you're working, but kind of not working, kind of at the mercy of your employer uh, as to when you're getting shifts, even though it's your career. And I was really consumed by a lot of guilty feelings. Um, and then kind of had a switch up in the week. I read an article that I just stumbled across online uh, by a psychologist named Robert Emmons. And he talks about the power of gratitude and just how gratitude can do so many things for you. Like just makes you a more positive person overall, can help you sleep better, can actually improve your immune system. What mm. else do you have here? Feels more lively. You express more compassion and kindness. Ah, uh. Get out I, of here. No, I'm saying I did get a weird message middle week. It's like, Shane, I love you. You're a good man. And I was like, all right, what's up? <laughs> and that's why. No, and here's the thing. And that came from a place of total authenticity. Because so if I read this article on like Wednesday, I think, uh, I just really tried to start getting in headspace of not saying, oh, poor me and not pitying myself, but really thinking about what in my life I'm thankful for and I'm grateful for. And then I just couldn't stop it. It was like a flood of emotions, honestly. And then I started thinking about you. And like I had tears in my eyes thinking about it. And but I it's am. only because of this article. No, it was because the article spurred me into trying to get in a better mindset. And then That's I just That's just a different way of saying, yes, you're right, Shane. Yeah, but what difference does it make? Because had, It doesn't. I'm just trying else, to clarify the impetus. Yeah. Had something else brought me to ask, like asking myself what I'm grateful for, all these things would have started coming up anyways. I started thinking about, okay, like... No shame in admitting the impetus of a thought. Yes. I'm grateful for that admission. You're <laughs> a little dink. <laughs> I'll show you a little dink. Wait, that came out wrong. <laughs> um, anyhow, uh, yeah, no, I was just totally overcome with emotion. I was thinking about you and how wonderful you are because you truly are. And how lucky I am, or we are to have found each other, I am to have found you, and everything that's kind of come of that, uh, of our friendship, of our relationship. I started thinking about my family, how grateful I am for them, 
for Lucy. And it really just started making Mm -hmm. me emotional. And uh, when I messaged you, I was like crying. Like I had like tears in my eyes and my heart was totally full. And it was... Were you at school when you messaged me? It was recess. (laughs) And then I think you messaged me back. You messaged me back something really sweet. And then like I I started like full, like the the water that was Mm -hmm. in my eyes started like dripping down my face. So I was so happy that it was recess when that happened. But it really, really helped in kind of help. It it helped to motivate me. Like Mm -hmm. it helped with intrinsic motivation, I think, for that week and for those days and for helping me to get through that really shitty time. Thinking about being grateful. Is there anything that you're particularly grateful for in life right now? No, not in particular, but I do have a halo over everything like you did or an umbrella or however you word it. And I saw the movie Sleepless in Seattle this week, not out of choice, but more out of duty to another podcast I do. That's a movie podcast. And Tom Hanks in it. He's he has a really great wife and then she dies I'm sure this movie's like 20 years old, so it's not spoiling anything. And then he meets Meg Ryan, and they kind of have like a love story. His is more love at first sight. Meg Ryan falls in love with Tom Hanks over the radio. It's kind of stupid love story based on looks for Tom Hanks. I don't really like that. But I really loved his wife that he loved that that died. And I was just thinking like, oh, my goodness, that would be so sad to lose you. Mm-hmm. And then I messaged you, and I was saying how irreplaceable you are. Because, and that's true. Like, I really am grateful for you and us together. You made me cry again. <laughs> I don't know try. if your eyes are watery for something else. Or well, when, when you, wa- I'm very um, watery when someone else waters. That always gets the water going, you know. Water works over here. Hold on, let me take a little sip of my fake drink so I can try to yeah. be tough. See, you said it was going to be a good episode, and look, we've already uh, we're making <laughs> out crying? and crying. But um, I, I do think, and clearly uh, this exercise of just kind of meditating on what you're grateful for has worked for me, and I think it worked for you inadvertently. Like if my impetus was reading the article, yours was watching the movie. Um, and, and I've actually decided I'm going to watch Sleepless in Seattle now every week <laughs> as a little meditative exercise. <laughs> But Robert Evans... What are you doing in there, Shane? Leave me alone! I need one hour. (laughs) 90 minutes. 92 minutes and 30 seconds to be exact. Um, But Robert Evans does, if you don't want to spend, you know, two hours watching a movie, or if you need a little help um, meditating on your own, he recommends just doing a frequent, like maybe daily uh, gratitude journal. And, you know, just having some... stupid but it's i think it's a really wonderful idea and you just every day right shut up no i'm just saying i can't imagine anyone actually doing that. no people people do a lot of people like to do things like this in our writers for me i just like to meditate on it kind of Mm -hmm. during quiet times in my day but every day whether it's in your phone notes or if you keep a journal uh just write down briefly something that you're grateful for and something that has to do with people or how you handled things, or something I, like that. I would run out not of about stuff things. like on the but, fifth day. But that's the that's the thing because then it forces you to look at yourself and to look at the circumstances you're in and find something every day and forces you to meditate on your day and find something positive that you can be grateful for. So even if you're a really shitty spot, like I was last week, not working, not feeling like I was doing enough for my family, it was forcing me 
out of that negative space to actually say, you know what? This right now in my life is really great. And I'm so happy. What was for the this. this in this situation? Me? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> and every day, even if it's something little like, you know what? That person uh, at work was really gracious when I walked in and said hi. And they were so warm and I wasn't expecting that. And I'm so grateful for their greeting because it set me off on a good path for the day. So it can be even something small and it just helps you get out of a negative headspace. So I do think there's so much value in it and uh, I do recommend people trying it out, whether you write it or whether you just kind of meditate on it uh, in your own. Gratitude journals. Gratitude. All right, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a try. I'm buying a moleskin. All right, so we were talking about pelvic floor health. Damn Sorry, right we were. Again. There. That's fine. Do I have to do that again? Pelvic floor health. We're talking about it. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I have a lot of questions from a lot of you, a lot of listeners who wanted me to bring things up to our specialists. The first woman that we're going to call in a few minutes, she owns the clinic that I go to. So I started going to a pelvic floor physiotherapist when I was maybe six months pregnant with Lucy. I was carrying her so low like so incredibly low at one point in the seventh month of pregnancy i felt like like i couldn't close my legs and i because you said her didn't you feel like her head yes, was coming out i'm about to say it. so it it was crazy so i i felt like i put my hand onto my cervix and you could feel the shape of her head like you could feel where her head started Ugh. and ended and it was like coming down into my vagina like into the passage did you and ever was, have to shove her back up <laughs> no your surface stays Not nice and yet, close Lucy. <laughs> but it was it was crazy that that early on i could feel her skull was you always and you love the shape of lucy's skull yeah oh it's perfect maybe that's why because it was helped sitting cultivate so it yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh it, it really did a number on me and it really hurt it was really awful so I started you could going, have prevented this if you had proper training not that okay. but we were able to help strengthen those muscles for birth uh, however i ended up strengthening them too much and then after birth all of my muscles in my pelvic floor remain tightened mm -hmm. so like imagine that you're working out and then your your muscles just stay flexed right like if you're lifting weights doing bicep curls and they just stay in the bicep curl mm -hmm. and they can't relax that's what happened to all my muscles after birth. They were all wow. just super tight, super hard, and couldn't relax. So then after birth, I continued going to pelvic floor physio. And it was like a mixture of um, exercises that I could do at home on the floor and vaginal massage. So my therapist would throw on some gloves and massage out all of the knots Man or woman. on my pelvic floor. A woman. <laughs> would you be comfortable with a man doing that job uh no it's it's so comfortable with the women there and i really love the women at my clinic that i would never switch it up be a tricky field to get into if you're a man and justify yes. why eh? but they really are amazing and these massages were really helping the exercises were really helping and i was told not to do kegels because kegels help strengthen but i had to learn how to relax my muscles because they were already too strong and for me my muscles being too strong is what led to, I don't know how, it's like the type of incontinence where like you can hold a pee in if you have to go pee. But if you laugh, if you run, if you jump, if you sneeze and you're not holding your legs together, you're going to pee a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you just, you can't help it. Incontinence means? You go without. Pee. You can have bowel incontinence as well. 
So that's reverse constipation. Yeah. Well. And men and women can have that. And actually with some births, if you have prolapse, so we'll talk about that soon. But if you do have prolapse in your vagina, uh, I think you can have prolapse of your bowels as well. If you have... Okay, wait, wait. Define prolapse. I'm going to get the... the specialist to do it but it's like when your organs like fall out Ugh, okay <laughs> that's a disgusting thought i know and it, it but it happens and mm. every i think it was she can give me the stats but the vast majority of women who have given birth have some varying degree of prolapse however Oof. with pelvic floor therapy you can help it and you can uh work to minimize the damage or reverse the damage so it really is amazing but now at what am i almost four months pregnant with lucy i'm starting to feel that pressure again so let's give Kristen at blueberry therapy a call okay hello hey Kristen. hello alex how are you i'm so good how are you doing i am great i'm great how's your night going great so i'm here with my husband shane and uh, we want to welcome you to this Family Tree podcast. So I just introduced the listeners to what pelvic floor physio is kind of like from my perspective and why sure. I began seeing you at your clinic, Blueberry Therapy, in the first place. Uh, so if you don't mind giving us mm-hmm. an expert's kind of definition of what the pelvic floor is, why don't we start there? Sure. Uh, I'd be happy to talk about that. So the pelvic floor is a broad group of muscles. Uh, it's actually three layers of muscle and it attaches at the front uh, to the pubic bone and sweeps all the way back to the tailbone and then out to either side to those sit bones. And it's a perfectly named muscle because it really does form the floor of that mm-hmm. pelvis. And it has three pretty big functions as a support function, a sexual function and a sphincter function. Okay. So in that way, then it helps to support the pelvis and the body structure as a whole. So certainly during pregnancy and post-pregnancy, the things that we hear as a pelvic physio are, you know, I have pain in the front of my pelvis or in the pubic bone, or I have SI joint pain. And all of those things could be caused because the pelvic floor is either weak or overactive, actually. I was just explaining that to Shane, how post-pregnancy, mine was overactive. So I'd have massage and then exercises that I do at the clinic and at home to kind of help relax it. Yes, and we see that more and more. And I think when you think about how muscles respond to being loaded, so you think about, you know, you go and you want to strengthen your leg muscles. So you, you know, have dumbbells and you do squats and your legs strengthen. The pelvic floor is the same. So when you're pregnant, as uh, that growing baby and uterus and blood volume, it's all resting on the pelvic floor. So Mm -hmm. that pelvic floor gets stronger, a little thicker, all of that. And then you go through delivery and all of a sudden, it's this big, strong muscle and it's not having (laughs) to lift the same load. And, And so postnatally, we see that way more than I think people expect. Um, I thought everything was going to be like you hear things like, oh, you know, it's everything's going to be looser, softer, yes. something. But it was, it was the, quite the opposite. 
Yes, and and that we see more and more. So we do a ton of education with our clients, whether they be moms mm-hmm. or men or children, about what overactivity is and and the kind of things that it shows itself to be. So that could be pain. It could be pain with sex. It could be incontinence because of overactivity, just because the muscle is kind of short and tight and not really functional. So when you need it to kick in, you know, whether you've had a big cough or you've jumped or something like that, it doesn't. And that results potentially in leaking pee or urinary incontinence. And we also see people with fecal incontinence too. So, so leaking gas or poop because it's the same muscle and that same Mm -hmm. muscle can be really either that overactive tight muscle or weak and, and, in the same way, it doesn't do the functions that you need it to do. So, Kristen, who sees a pelvic floor therapist? Is it is it just kind of for pregnant women or are there lots of uh, things that might factor into it? No, that, that is a great, great question. And so we actually see people through the lifespan. So children, women, men. We're seeing more and more children now that have overactive pelvic floors that result in chronic constipation, bedwetting, urinary incontinence, that kind of thing. We see women sometimes before they've ever had babies that have pain with sex because they have that overactive pelvic floor. We see women in and around pregnancy um, to help one, prevent um, things from happening post-pregnancy. So we'd love to see people before. Yeah. So that we can really find out how is that pelvic floor working before you go through labor. We see lots of women afterwards. And then we see women well into, my, my oldest client is 97. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So I have some phenomenal clients. Some of my older clients have pelvic organ prolapse and we do pessary fittings. Um, Are, okay, and then, what what is that? <laughs> yeah. Is that a bag? No. Okay. No. So a pessary is like a. I always say to people, it's like a knee brace for the vagina. Whoa. So it's, like, it's like a support system that goes into the vaginal canal to help support one of the walls, primarily of the vaginal canal, to prevent those pelvic organs from dropping down. And so, so my, can, can you get that yeah. like? Do you get that once you've already had, once you have like a certain degree of prolapse or? Usually it's the degree of prolapse, but more than that, it's the degree of symptoms. So some women have, you know, what we see as being kind of minor prolapse, but it's really bothering them. It bothers them when they stand, when they run, when they do the things they want to do. So we will, you can use a pessary. Um, Certainly younger women can put it in and take it out. And we sometimes do it along with that pelvic floor retraining. So they only use it for a period of time. Right. We also have some older women where certainly hand dexterity and that kind of thing is not that great. And so we would put the pessary in. They have it for maybe two to three months. They come back. We take it out. We clean it. We put it back in. So I know that with prolapse, there are varying degrees. And I I think that they can be measured a certain way, right? Yes. So can you kind of go through like what, because so many of uh, my followers are moms, they might not even realize that they have a mild degree of prolapse. And I know my husband, Shane, uh, I was just explaining prolapse to him 
right before this call. Yes, and it is an area of mystery. And so, so prolapse just means dropping down. So if you think about all that pressure that's on the pelvic floor during pregnancy, and then certainly with a vaginal birth, there's way more pressure and sometimes some trauma, whether you've mm-hmm. had tearing or not, you may have some stretch of not just the pelvic floor, but some of the fascia, some of the ligaments. And so the pelvic organs can kind of move to a slightly new position. So they take up space when that baby is no longer in there. So the the bladder sometimes drops kind of down and backwards towards the front of the vaginal canal. The rectum can drop kind of forwards and down towards the back of the vaginal canal. And the uterus can drop down. Man. Yeah, and and so a small drop, and and often people have no idea that they have this, Mm -hmm. we would call a grade one. A grade two is a slightly um, further drop. And and if people are are comfortable with touching themselves, sometimes they can feel a small bulge on the front or back wall of their vaginal canal. Okay. A grade three goes past the vaginal opening at least some of the day. So I have clients that say to me, when I wake up in the morning, everything is fine. By the end of the day, I feel pressure. I feel discomfort. I feel like something's coming out a little bit. Mm-hmm. We would call that a grade three. And a grade four uh, really comes further out. So, like, would you be, like, okay, in a grade four, would yes. you be able to, like, feel the cervix, like, yes. kind of hanging out of where it's supposed to be? Yes. If it is a uterine prolapse, yes. Wow. To be, to be visual, it is almost like picture the vaginal canal with this nice uterus on the top. The uterus descends down through almost like a sock kind of turning inside oh my out. Goodness. Yes. That, that sounds incredibly painful. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Actually, it's not that painful. That's why, and that, I guess that's why a lot of women don't even realize and then don't get the help when they can still kind of minimize the damage, right? I think that's part of it. And I think, you know, I love these type of podcasts because it really opens the door for people to talk about Mm -hmm. their bodies. And I often say to my clients, you know, if you had an issue with your tongue and your mouth, you would be showing everybody, your brother, (laughs) your husband, your friends, you'd be saying, what is going on? Hey, honey, do you think this is fourth degree (laughs) prolapse? (laughs) That's right. But we don't do it so much when it is our vagina, our yeah. anus, our penis. You know, yeah. like we, we shy away from those things because because of where they are and, and the connotation around that part of our body, which is too bad because there are stats that say women that have urinary incontinence wait almost six years before oh. they tell any healthcare professional. Oh. And, we, and we know that there's so much that can be done and can be done in a hurry for most women, mm-hmm. um, about 80% of women, pelvic health physiotherapy can improve symptoms or cure it. So I have two more questions for you. The yes. first being, I've had a few women asking me if C-sections would still have impact on their pelvic floor because they didn't give birth vaginally. I was thinking that, well, you're still holding up that, you know, seven, eight, nine pound baby. But for women with C-sections, should they still be seeking uh, pelvic health help if they think that they need it? Yes. And and for the exact reason that you mentioned, if you think about what the pelvis and pelvic floor, the pressure that they're under, mm-hmm. it's 
it's they're under an incredible amount of pressure and change for nine months. Right. And so that can result in some changes. And then also most pelvic health physios also do scar tissue mobility. We look to see if there's any level of rectus diastasis. Uh, we talk about core integrity. Some of us also do um, ultrasound for breastfeeding women to to uh, reduce blocked milk ducts. So, Whoa, I didn't know yes. it would stretch that far at all. Yeah, we do a whole bunch of stuff that would be helpful for any mom, whether they've had a vaginal birth or a C-section. That's incredible. And what is rectus diastasis? (laughs) Great question, Shane. It's (laughs) (laughs) trying to get in there. (laughs) Yeah. So the rectus abdominis muscles are the two, you know, your six-pack muscles, and they um, run on either side. on the right and the left and on the middle we have this connective tissue called the linea alba in pregnancy as the baby grows that linea alba the connective tissue stretches and there becomes a little bit of separation or spread of those muscles for most women within about 12 weeks the muscles are pretty much back together However, um, depending on the way you heal, you know, maybe the way you carried, all of those things, some women, the muscle don't come right back together. And we can do some very simple exercises to help. That's wonderful. Yeah. And and really, it's just to make sure that the core is really nice and stable so Mm -hmm. that you can do the things that you want to do with your husband, with your kids, and, and just be strong. So um, the point I'm I'm four months pregnant right now. Yes. Uh, and I'm already feeling like I'm I'm still barely showing, but at four months pregnant, I can already feel pressure on my pelvic floor. And this is why like I thought about I was like oh man I need an appointment. And then I was like well yes. this is gonna be a great podcast. I'll see if I can get somebody <laughs> to come <laughs> on because it really is such an issue. And I'm already worried about it at this early point in my pregnancy. So. Ever since I gave birth, sneezing, running, jumping, all that, I have, you know, leakage. And it's so hard. So I got to like close my legs the second I know I'm about to sneeze. Or if Shane makes me laugh, I got to close my legs. <laughs> and it's it's hard and it's annoying. And it's just, it's such a pain in the ass. And now with the pressure that I'm feeling on my pelvic floor, I'm kind of nervous. And I want to do what I can to help prepare myself for another birth so Mm -hmm. just in general terms like what would this look like for a mom in my position yeah so we'd love to see moms during pregnancy if they have incontinence like you've Mm -hmm. mentioned if they have any kind of pain pressure all of those kind of things so during an initial assessment you would come in and we do some general medical history, find out what's going on, find out, you know, really where your concerns are. Mm-hmm. We do that internal component and that allows us to find out how is that muscle working? Is it contracting? Is it releasing? What the strength is, what the endurance is? Can you differentiate the front from the back? All of those things. Yeah. That, that helps us to know is if you know, are we looking at a really overactive muscle that is is not lengthening well and therefore is feeling tons of pressure because as our body softens, as the weight comes down on it and it's overactive, sometimes we, we feel that pressure more. Right. Or is this a really weak muscle and it's 
um, giving with the pressure of the baby and is this a little bit of pelvic organ prolapse during the pregnancy. So the, the assessment really helps guide what we do and what we do in terms of your exercises, your takeaways and, your, and the education that we give you. Right. So it's going to be kind of tailored for each specific person. It is very tailored down to, you know, we need, we see that we have a left sided weak pelvic floor and a right sided overactive. Right. That, that certainly is something that we might see. So general Kegel exercises, which everybody does the minute they have any issue (laughs) will help some people certainly, but they're not going to help everybody. Those people that have overactivity in, in fact can make things worse. Right. And it's just not targeted enough for those people that have, you know, differences side to side or can contract like crazy lying down, but can't do anything when they stand up. So we need to move to a really prescribed exercise program that for sure you can do once you have the program, but you just need a bit of guidance on what really is the best for you. Because most people, and correct me if I'm wrong, they just do Kegels and they think that's the only exercise to really help them, right? Shane, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. And and when people do Kegels, about like 60% of people are not doing them very well. Typically, people do do this. They squeeze their butt. They squeeze, <laughs> you know, till the cows come home. They <laughs> neglect the front of the pelvic floor, which is really where where the muscles that help prevent against urinary incontinence, they're at the front. And then lots of times they just clamp down where we know when the pelvic floor works really well, it lifts up and in like a jellyfish or I often say you know lift a blueberry up and in hence the name of the the clinic Mm -hmm. um so we we do try and get people even if kegels are the exercise of choice we often have a little bit of teaching to do to get them to do them well so and this is this is the final question I have for you uh but just because Shane brought up the kegels when I do kegels and mm-hmm. I, I was told not to do them anymore because I have the problem of having a pelvic floor that's too muscular, kind of. Yes. I orgasm. Yes. It, like little ones, but still, it's, it's, it shocks me. <laughs> Is that normal? <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it can be common. It's not 100% normal. So, so <laughs> we know that. Um, so when I, when I started out, we, I talked about how the pelvic floor has three big functions, support, yeah. sphincter, and sexual. Right. And so we have a ton of nerve endings, and the clitoris is part of that pelvic floor at the front, right? Mm-hmm. So if you imagine, you know, an elastic that's pulled really tight, and then, then you try and contract it, what it pulls on is the clitoris and some of the um, erectile tissue at the front of of the the female anatomy. And you know, a really cool fact, actually, females and males have the same amount of erectile tissue. It's just distributed differently. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. That is weird. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really great. And I just want to ask, how do you want uh, to be promoted? Do you want us to talk about blueberry therapy? Or would you like to give a plug for blueberry therapy? Yeah, that would be great. You could say, you know, yeah, blueberry therapy um, and, and and more pelvic health and pediatrics too um, because we always want to make sure that people understand that pelvic health is not just for the pregnant mom. 
right? right? That it really is a lifespan um, and, and can be really helpful across that lifespan. That's awesome. Thank you so, so much for your time and uh, all the info you shared. You're welcome. It was great to talk to you and it was great to talk to you too, Shane. Oh, likewise. Thanks so much. Okay. Yeah. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I so I write you <laughs> and I put promoted in quotations so you can put it in like proper wording. So it's just like, oh, how can people get a hold of you? How can people like I just wanted her to be promoted. And so how do you want to be promoted? So thought, now she thinks we're off air. Shit, I, I'm like, I really hope she doesn't say promoted. I put it in little quotations. I felt so stupid as I was saying that. Now, as I was saying that, I was like, oh, this is not what he meant. This is coming out so weird. Well, I'll do it right with the next one. Okay. Now what's going on here? So now we are going to call um, a another owner of a pelvic health clinic called The Vagina Coach. And she is out on the West Coast. So let's give Kim a call. Okay. So we're going to another one. Why not just focus on the other one? Uh, because I wanted to... What do you mean? Well, why not just ask these questions to the other woman? Why are we switching to pelvic health well, coaches? Because it's a really long call. And oh, okay, so to hear a new voice, and sometimes they say get a second opinion or talk to well, multiple I people. I like, I have done all of my pelvic health therapy at Blueberry Therapy, which Kristen owns. And I interestingly, we found out the etymology of that name too, because it's like your, your vagina can hold a blueberry up there. Well, it's like when you're doing Kegel, like that's what you're supposed to imagine that you're like keeping in, right? Yeah, so it's it's fascinating. Yeah, blueberries, mom. Kim speaking. Hey, Kim. It's Alex and Shane from This Family Tree Podcast. Thank you so you? much for uh, making time for us tonight. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Kim, you are a pelvic floor therapist out in BC? Uh, I'm not a, I wouldn't call myself a therapist. I'm not a licensed physiotherapist, but I'm a personal trainer who does specialize in pelvic floor movement and exercise that helps with symptoms of incontinence and prolapse and that kind of thing. So who do you see the most? Um, like, do you see athletes that are looking for pelvic floor health, uh, women who are pregnant or in postpartum or kind of just women at older stages in their life? I see women in pregnancy, motherhood, and menopause. So sort of the three major life stages and even women who've never been pregnant or given birth at any point in their life. Uh, anybody can really struggle with the with pelvic floor challenges. So my client base is female, and those are the three main life stages that I would say are most common. Okay. So I have a lot of questions. Uh, my followers are really excited when I told them that I was getting in touch with a pelvic health therapist tonight or a pelvic health expert tonight. Uh, yep. And they were flooding me with questions because <laughs> it is such a kind of, it's not taboo, but it's just something people don't talk about because they're embarrassed or because they don't even know to ask. Like personally, totally. yep. I had no idea that pelvic health therapy or clinics existed until I was like three quarters of the way through my first pregnancy and I was getting my eyelashes mm -hmm. done next door to a clinic and I was like this looks interesting oh I pee a little bit when I sneeze this might be mm -hmm. for me and then I realized how amazing that whole world was and how helpful it has been so yeah totally a couple questions I'd like to start with mm -hmm. should mm -hmm. sex hurt is this normal and how long should like after how much time should they be concerned with uh, painful sex after having a baby uh, so no, sex should not hurt. Like ever. And 
it, no, I mean, it, so after you've given birth, if you've had a, even if you've had a cesarean, but most commonly with a, a vaginal birth, especially if you've had any tearing or if you've had an episiotomy, mm-hmm. it is, I would say it's common for the first maybe one or two times to feel a little bit uncomfortable. And part of that could be apprehension. Yeah. So tension and a little bit maybe fear or nervous or wondering if it's going to hurt. So that can contribute to it a little bit. Sometimes if they're still breastfeeding, it could be moisture levels. So sometimes there's more dryness in the vagina that can contribute to it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of it, um, you know, even with lubricant and even after a few tries, it still is painful, then that is something definitely to uh, have looked at. And my my recommendation is that every single woman, even if you have no symptoms, even if you've never been pregnant, see a pelvic floor physiotherapist or a physical therapist. Uh, and, if, and if you can see them when you're pregnant and then around six weeks postpartum and then make it part of your annual health check-in kind of like you go to see the dentist every year yeah and so especially if you have pain with sex or if you are having other symptoms and that is even more reason to go and the good thing is is pain with sex is is in most cases very very treatable right and and really is you know within a few sessions so okay yes so not not normal and easily treatable so what would treatment look like for somebody that was experiencing that I mean, most early first assessments are going to be roughly about an hour. And it the people who, so pelvic floor physical therapists are regular physiotherapists who have additional training in the pelvic floor and they are licensed to go beyond the introitus, which is the entrance to the vagina. Mm-hmm. They assess many things like posture, they assess biomechanics, movement mechanics, they would look at the external genitalia. So if there was any external tearing or scarring uh, remaining from any any surgeries or birth, then right. they can help mobilize that scar tissue. And they also will then, um, in, and this doesn't always happen in the first session, but they will do an internal evaluation with gloved fingers and they will use one or two, depending on the person, fingers to assess the tone of the muscles, the position of the organs, the function of the muscles also. So is there an ability of the muscles to contract and relax appropriately? And for some people, so painless sex can be from lots of different challenges, but right. um, it, could be the, it could be the scar tissue might be impeding the ability for the muscle to relax. It could be that the muscles themselves are holding on to stuck tension and just need to be sort of down-regulated. It could work on breath work, posture, um, and and really it can also be a mind-body piece as well. So sometimes there are cases where they may use things, uh, something called a dilator, which is various increasing sizes of a device that's inserted starting out almost the same size or sometimes even smaller than a tampon and then working up to being able to accommodate something a little bit larger sounds like a vibrator uh, (laughs) yeah kind of (laughs) doesn't vibrate but you could it could be that but it could be but there are some people who who can't use those devices so maybe they uh, for various reasons again maybe they don't they can't have something Mm -hmm. inserted and so it's not something that they would start with per se, but something that you could definitely go to. And there are benefits to vibrators and there are other 
pelvic floor devices and exercise products as well that are available to women who maybe don't have access to a pelvic floor physical therapist that that can be helpful as well. But if you have an opportunity, in my opinion, the gold standard is to see a pelvic floor physical therapist. Okay, because I so I had another question saying she was having pain during climax before she even had a baby. So something Mm -hmm. like that, just go right to, you know, go right to seek some pelvic floor health help. Yeah, and that's always usually in terms of anything really to do with the pelvis, to do with sexual health, function, um, any symptoms like incontinence or prolapse or chronic back pain, even diastasis recti in the abdominal wall. I always say my first choice for recommendation in terms of first line of defense would be a pelvic floor physio and Mm -hmm. they can they do a very thorough assessment and they can then decide if it's something that's within their scope or is it something they would refer on to that might need more medical attention. Right. But, um, but I find quite often people choose the medical route first and the, they end up kind of down a quite long path and journey where the, the real issue isn't necessarily being addressed with with what often is very successful care. And sometimes it ends up with pharma or surgery that, doesn't necessarily need to be there, yeah. at least not yet. So, so yes, short answer. That was a long answer, but my short answer would be yes. <laughs> always see a pelvic floor physio and first. Yeah. So think about you know how integral your uh, pelvic floor muscles are in just everything when you're you're having a baby. Um, mm-hmm. Could it, if you had problems with your pelvic floor prior to getting pregnant, like could this affect? if you know your fertility or your like mm-hmm. chances of miscarriage? Uh, I don't know about the, I don't know of any studies or any evidence that points to, you know, a, a link between pelvic floor challenge and miscarriage. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some people who talk about potentially pelvic floor physio or physical therapy playing a role in optimizing the pelvis for fertility. So looking at, are there any kind of, you know, energy blockages or muscle tension that might be impeding the fertilization process. So uh, I would say that, but I don't know of any evidence that would point to miscarriage. And what's one thing you think is the number one thing women are doing wrong? I think it's just people are misguided. So there's, there is starting to become definitely more awareness in terms of pelvic health. And I know when I first started talking about this 15 years ago, there was really not a lot. And there was a few people. And since then, even in the last five years, it has grown exponentially. So there's a lot more awareness out there. I think there still is a lot of, uh, again, opportunity for people being misguided, because usually the medical route is where they go firsthand. Mm -hmm. And usually, if they go there, or maybe they just read things, and then they say, well, the kind of the generally accepted thing to do if you have something, you know, quote unquote, wrong with your pelvic floor is do Kegel exercises. And so then people try to figure out how to do a Kegel, but without having been assessed or without anybody actually having taught you properly, there even we do have evidence to show that most women are doing Kegel exercises incorrectly. Right. So I would say that would be the most common thing that maybe is sometimes leading people down the wrong path because they they do them and not everybody needs 
everybody should do some form of pelvic floor exercise, but they don't always, not everybody should be doing it the same way. So an evaluation is helpful, but if you are doing them incorrectly, it can sometimes exacerbate some of the symptoms that you have. If they're not done consistently, or if they're not done, in my opinion, they should be done coordinated with movement. So if those pieces are missing, they also aren't necessarily effective. So I would say that's probably the most common thing is that people just don't have the right information. They're, they're doing the best they can with what they, what they know or what they think they know, but, um, but there, there needs to be a little bit more. Yeah, I was actually, so I was doing Kegels early in my pregnancy. I was told to stop because I had an overactive pelvic floor. So then I started, I was doing like a whole bunch of different exercise, but one of them was just like a cat and a cow that like Mm -hmm. yoga poses. And I would do those every night and it was helping to relax my muscles. And I would never have even thought that that would somehow be connected and, you know, you could relax that way. So it's, I think, so helpful and so amazing to go and see somebody and find out what you can do, what simple things you can do on your floor at home to help. With totally. That. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with, with regards to birth and pregnancy, that's, mm-hmm. you know, people, people often hear, Oh, well, you're pregnant now you should do kegels. But again, as you found out as well, a lot of people do have, you know, kind of hyper or more activity in their pelvic floors. And especially in birth, even if you don't have, you know, an overactive pelvic floor, we need to learn how to relax and how to yield and how to surrender. And we need to make sure the muscles know how to respond that way when you're pregnant, because that's ultimately what they need to do during birth. So doing kegels for your pregnancy, yes, you should have an element of kind of the up training where you're doing the contract and lift of the floor, but you really need to be even more aware, I think, of the of the letting go piece. Right. And just the last question, um, I had somebody ask me and I, I was... This one is hard for me to get my head around because I just don't know how they would be connected. But do you know if uh, like pelvic floor physio or exercises can help with recurrent yeast infections? Is that a thing? Well, not, I wouldn't say directly. Okay. So I wouldn't say that there is a direct correlation that if you see a physio regularly, you won't have as many yeast infections. But they can help from a screening perspective to look at what might be contributing to the development of those. It could be clothing that's worn. It could be hormonal balance. It could be function. So not necessarily the function of the muscles per se, but I would say seeing a physio could definitely help screen or look at other potential reasons why that's happening. And maybe there's a correlation between bladder emptying or like, um, hygiene from a, an elimination perspective. So mm-hmm. there could be other things that could be correlated okay. that they might want to check into. Yeah. Okay. Well, Kim, thank you so much. I want to ask if somebody wants to get a hold of you, check out what you do because you do have a great online presence. How can they find you? So my website is vaginacoach.com. Great and name. And mm-hmm. that's also, thank you, my... Um... Very easy to remember <laughs> that one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's part of the part of the reason it, it sort of brings the attention to what I do. And it makes people it's very easy to remember because it kind of it's a word that makes people squirm a little bit. And I'm hoping that eventually that changes and it's just a word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but social media wise, so Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are all vagina coach as well. That's nice. awesome. So you was that your first option when you were looking for those Twitter handles and website? <laughs> like, did you just get lucky right <laughs> off the bat? I did. That's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. We yeah. took yeah. literally eight months to come up with this family tree because all of our names were getting taken. Yeah. But yeah, great job. Yeah, that's so good. And uh, Kim, truly, (laughs) thank you so much for all your info and for your time tonight. Oh, I I really appreciate you guys reaching out. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Take care. You too. Bye. 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 -bye. 
Oh, good job. Right on the money for time. Yeah. So, Shane, you learned a couple new things, I imagine? To be honest, I was zoning out sometimes. <laughs> not because I'm not interested. I had, like, you know when you're in class and you get the giggles? <laughs> so, I was looking around the room. And for some reason that my mom gave us this very disgusting looking Christmas troll. Yeah, it's really ugly. And it's in- <laughs> My mom listens to this by the way. Oh, but it's it's a Christmas troll. But it looks like the Mad uh, magazine it cover does, model. Yeah. And I'm listening to all this vagina stuff. I'm going to grab it just in case we use this for a promo. <laughs> he's ugly in a really cute way but she i'm listening to all this vagina stuff but this thing (laughs) is just staring at me and the more i want to not laugh the more i'm tempted to laugh and it just reminded me of being in elementary and high school and getting in trouble for laughing but i was listening to a lot of it and yes i did learn but when you are cleaning up christmas stuff because you were off for two or three days last week this is the first thing to pack away, <laughs> just to let you know. Um, right before that's we do, letting the family know. That's true. Uh, right before we do our next call, there were just a couple questions that I had people asking about the pelvic floor physiotherapist that I can just answer right now. I had so many questions, like about 40, saying, what if I have pain with this? What if I have pain during climax? Pain on the vaginal floor during a period? Just pain in you know different circumstances. The second you're feeling pain, as we heard from both women, go see somebody. Who's somebody? What do you mean? Go see a pelvic health therapist because they can help. So don't just go to your doctor. No, I'd go to a pelvic health therapist um, and get that checked out because then if they believe that it's related to the muscles in your pelvic floor, they'll be able to help you. But if they say, look, this is not related to us go see your gp then do that the second you are having pain anywhere go see somebody because you shouldn't be another person asked for making an appointment is it just easy as calling up a clinic and saying hey i just had a baby help me and truly it is that's what i did with blueberry therapy i was you know whatever six months pregnant and i said hey i'm pregnant i'm feeling a lot of pressure I need help, but I don't exactly know what you guys do. And they were wonderful. Kristen had me come in. She did my initial appointments, like a full, you know, kind of examination. And then after that, I worked with Kristen and another wonderful uh, therapist from there. Uh, Her name is Alexandra Danks. And I'm going to see her on Monday and she's going to help me, you know, through this pregnancy and hopefully into postpartum as well. They are so wonderful. They make sure that you're comfortable with everything before they do it. And they truly tailor make your program for you. So a lot of people were asking, well, what should I do in regards to prep for a baby or to help me stop peeing and things like that? What works for me in my program is going to be different than yours. It's like Kristen said, one person's left side could be too relaxed and their right side is too tense. And it truly does need to be tailor-made. So I don't want to disseminate too much advice on to what to do because you do need to get checked out yourself. So if you are having those problems, go get yourself checked out and they will give you exercises that you can do at home. One of the things that helped me the most was, I don't know the technical term for it, but it was basically a vagina massage. And I'd go in and um, they would massage the knots out of my pelvic floor. Does this feel good? 
Well, it hurt like crazy. Did you orgasm during no, this? No, okay. I was screaming in pain. <laughs> it really hurt because they put pressure on those tense muscles to try to help them relax and they need them out. And then after that, you go home and you do the prescribed exercises. And that truly was helping. And because I was, it was helping, I just stopped, which was the stupidest thing I could have done because you know I wasn't healed yet. Keep a good thing going. Yeah. So I, I truly recommend it. Any women who are listening who think they even might have an issue, start paying attention to it. Start focusing on that and asking yourself if you do need to see somebody and then go do it because it is so important. What are your thoughts on people who call vaginas pussies? Don't like that term? Hate it. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious how women feel about it because I feel like for men, it's nothing to just say, oh yeah pussy you know like it's just it's just it's almost funny no it's the grossest word right. it's such a gross word it's so vulgar it's so nasty mm-hmm. and like it just reminds me of like high schoolers like that's like what guys say in high school to try to be cool and the fact that it carries on in adulthood is so ridiculous because it's just stupid it's mm-hmm. stupid it sounds dumb makes you sound dumb and it makes you sound like somebody who's going to be mean to me or something like i don't i don't like that do you feel like it's a double standard though like how a guy can be called a dick there's no equivalent to pussy pussy or or the c word don't say it but no but i mean if a guy is called a pussy it means he's not being tough but a guy can be called a dick and and it's acceptable like if a woman calls a guy a dick and then it's like and it's i feel like that's fairly there's a huge problem with the word pussy other than this even because it's such a sexist word in a, in using the female organs to say you're weak you're like nothing but whereas if, the man's thing is uses like um it's a like word saying, to like saying you're, you're an asshole. strength strength no, almost when someone says you're a dick they're just saying you're an asshole yeah but that being an asshole isn't associated with being weak in any way it's it's associated with being kind of strong and being maybe opinionated or too forceful or something mm-hmm. But being a pussy is awful. And it's like, why a, a, a vagina, a pussy, if you will, is so strong. It does so much. It's so amazing. And it does way more than a penis does, who just like shoots out a couple spermies or 92 million in your case, mm-hmm. makes a baby. And then the vagina is left to do all the heavy lifting, like in and, and, a very literal sense, right? It's and they're strong. Up. They're so strong. So they so, shouldn't be associated with weakness. No. So there's so many reasons why I hate that word. And that's a huge reason why I hate that word. Because then that is just saying, well, that's a part of mm-hmm. women. Women are weak, blah, blah, blah. going to call you a pussy. I so, think it actually originated from pussy cat. Like a pussy cat is kind of uh, weaker and easy to beat up. And then it got amalgamated into being about. I have about- no idea. It would be interesting to look up the etymology of that, though. Uh, but asshole's still cool because that is gender neutral. <laughs> assholes are stinky and it can apply to men or women. I say everybody just sticks to calling each other a-holes, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, actually, that's a bad transition because this guy <laughs> this guy is not an a-hole at all. He was um, your best man at our wedding. He was the best man at the wedding. And it was weird because I was originally best friends with his brother. And his brother's name is Greg Veerman. But... Then I started working with this man, and I met him when I was 18. I started working with him when I was 26. I'm 36 now. My entire adult life, I've known this person, because you're an adult in Canada yep. at 18. Yep. I guess in every year. <laughs> so it's, it's very weird to be calling him as a guest, just because I know him better than probably 
anyone in the world, mm -hmm. including you, because I'm with him more than I'm with you. We sit back to back at work. We both work at Much Music. I mean, that's like the MTV of Canada. Yeah. But he has a small daughter. Her name's Winona. She is six months younger yep. than Lucy. She's got a full crazy head of hair. Oh my God. She's Since one of the birth. One of the cutest kids you could ever see. She's so sweet too. Like uh, her and Lucy got to hang out last week and you could just tell she's a nice kid on top of being just like cabbage patch adorable. Yeah, Lucy's kind of, um, out of the two, it would be, like I always compare people, you're mm -hmm. either Lu Owen Wilson or Vince Vaughn. Right. And sometimes in some relationships, you're the Owen Wilson. <laughs> but in others, you might be the Vince Vaughn. In, in this friendship, if Lucy and Winona become the friends, which I hope they do, yep. at this point, Lucy would be the Vince Vaughn. Winona is the One Owen Wilson. Lucy is the Vince Vaughn in a lot of life, mm -hmm. I think. Uh, but anywho, without further ado, <laughs> we're going to call this person. Ayle, yeah. Oh, I also, geez, what's weird about interviewing Mike is I co-host a podcast with him. You do. A really great podcast. Uh, he's actually the host. I'm more like the extra guy in the mix of the podcast, to be honest. He's actually the full-fledged host. It's it's his namesake. It's called Mike on Much. It's a great podcast. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, we actually had a TV show on Crave, yeah. which is kind of like the Netflix of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say I'm a listener. I'm a big fan of it. Um, and it's like pop culture, hot news items, sports, just kind of everything. Uh, and it's really fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I, I really do love hearing everybody's take. And I have to pee right now. Speaking well, of Kegels, get I'll be right back. Yellow. Mike, you, you are on This Family Tree podcast. What's up, Mike? Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. This is Guy's Corner, so I kind of like to open it up with a, a guy question. Are you watching the game tonight? And second question, is there a game tonight? <laughs> there's, a, there's not a Raptors game tonight, but the Lakers are playing Philly, and I think I'll, I'll look in on that game. But right now, my time is dedicated to doing this pod with you guys because you reached out, and I was, I'm excited to be asked on. You guys have this great pod that you've been doing. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, will be, I will be watching later, but right now, this is what I'm doing. I'm not well, even in my apartment. I came down to a separate part of the building so I could have this conversation. Very flattered. Are you yeah. drinking a brew tonight? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I had, I had a couple last night with uh, with some of our friends uh, who were in town. But no, tonight taking it easy. The baby is sleeping. Uh, yeah. Did Max end up getting a Mercedes? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, but the nuts said they're, they're 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 trying to sort that. But no, they they came back from uh, Manitoba. Pretty happy, but I don't think anyone had cars. But Mercedes-less. Okay. I am drinking a beer. Not that that makes me <laughs> any more guy-like. But yeah, you are a dad, as I am. And uh, I was just wondering, how are you taking to that so far? That's a very a softball <laughs> question. <laughs> broad. Uh, good. I like it. I, I love it. I love, I love being a dad. It's... Uh, it's kind of what everybody says to you, like, oh, it's like it's it's hard, but it's also the most sort of rewarding and amazing thing you'll ever do in your life. And you can't describe the love and et cetera, et cetera. All that sort of proved to be true. Like, I haven't been really surprised by anything. Uh, and as, as far as the experience and, and all that, I, like, I, yeah, I love it. I love being a dad. And I didn't know I would love it as much as I did or as much as I do. But I do. Well, it's interesting because you're a weird type of guy in the sense that. I could picture you never having a kid, but I could very easily picture you being a dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like we're and it's it's kind of like that 
professionally and socially too. Like at work, you're the most professional guy I know. And then when we're out, you're also the most fun guy I know. And those two <laughs> things don't normally intersect. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, yeah. Do you do you look at yourself that way? Like growing up, were you like, I'm going to be a dad, or did you say I'll cross that bridge when I get there, or did you say I'm never going to be a dad? Um, I never, I never thought about it. I, like it all felt very far in the future. Like the idea of getting married or the idea of having a kid. I like it was like one, it's like it was such an abstract thought that it felt like something that you thought about when you were like. Oh. I, I was way more focused on what am I going to do with my life that's like fun so I can sort of establish myself or wh whatever it is I wanted to do, like all the things that I kind of was able to do throughout my 20s. Uh, that's what I was thinking about. And I like the idea of getting married or having a kid was so far in the distance. And then I kind of got to a point with the person that I wanted to have a kid with that I was like, oh, it's kind of revealed itself naturally as something that I want to do. But it's funny you say you could see me as being someone that never had a kid because I totally would have been fine. Like that would have been the trajectory. I mean, I, I've said this before, but if not Danica, uh, I think I, I don't think I ever would have had a, a kid. Mm -hmm. I think I would have just sort of did my life how I was doing it because I, I did enjoy it a lot. I, I liked mm -hmm. it. I, I liked it both ways. And that's a pretty romantic sentiment. Incredibly. Uh, just to have that one person you can only have uh, the child with. Speaking of Danica, has, <laughs> do, you, do you think your relationship with her has gotten better or has is, having the kid all those stresses? Do you think it's been a bit of a strain? uh n better because we have this sort of because danica and i are very different people in a lot of ways but then also we sort of have things that we absolutely align on and connect on and our personalities mesh perfectly almost because of our differences but i think having winona has given us this super like common thing that we both sort of love so incredibly much that like it's kind of awesome to be teamed up on something uh that's so important to us whereas sort of before we had a child it's like we sort of led, you know, independent lives together. And now mm -hmm. it's like we have this thing that we absolutely do together. But there are absolutely strains. Like, listen, like, as you guys know, like having a kid, it's just it puts you in situations yeah. where it's like, you know, just, just innocuous stuff. Like, did you drive the diapers? You told me to. Gra I thought you were grabbing the diapers. <laughs> yeah. Like sh stuff that you would never actually bicker about without a kid all of a sudden becomes these weird sort of like non -argu meaningless arguments that yeah. are intense in the moment. Yeah, we before Alex and I had Lucy, we we made a deal that we were never going to get into all the cliche arguments. <laughs> sure enough, we've been in every fucking cliche argument you can have. We've done it. And the one that you say you're not going to do, which is who's doing more, we do it the most probably. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's so inevitable and, and hard to avoid. I'd also like, I'd like to meet the couple that doesn't do that, by the way. I wanted to be that couple so Does, bad. But do they exist? Is it possible for that couple to exist? I haven't met them yet, but if they do, someone let me know. <laughs> and even if they say they're not doing it, they probably still are, but just doing it very minimally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted to give you kind of a basketball analogy. You're the biggest Raptors fan I know. Would you say that's think, accurate out of all yeah, our friends? I mean, sure. I'll, I'll take that. I, I love those Rappies. Yeah. So Did you watch that Knicks game last night? Uh, I did not. We, uh, we, we. That's a lie. We actually watched yeah. the first three quarters, and then I once I realized they were going to win, we went to bed. Tell me they did win. They they did, but it was closer than it was uncomfortably close. You guys are big hoops fans as well. Don't act like I'm the. Uh, you guys are huge hoops fans. 
Yeah, but it's like, you know how there's cinephiles and there's people who kind of watch movies or go to the theater once in a while? <laughs> right, I right. would not be, and it's funny, I was uh, just telling Alex, I ended up doing a podcast last week. Someone contacted me. Um, it's the guy who came to the office and gave us that tour. Oh, you did his pod. I, I did his pod, but he acted good, like good. It, he acted like it was going to be a movie pod. First half an hour, it's all Raptors questions. Mike, I am shitting my pants during this pod. I, I'm so humiliated because he thinks I know way more, and I am faking my ass off. And like you, you'd just cringe if you listen to this, which I I, I hope you don't. But anyway, here, here's my little analogy. So it's Vince Carter's last year, and he was obviously probably the most famous Raptor, maybe, I guess, uh, Kawhi or Lowry is now. But at one point, Vince Carter was a famous Raptor. Now he's doing his uh, kind of retirement tour, they call it. Yeah. And I felt like when when you found out uh, you were going to have Winona, <laughs> you kind of yeah. did that socially. It was like, yeah. all right, this is my last trip around the block. Guys, we've got to make use of it. There was like some Instagram posts, like I won't be able to do this anymore. <laughs> you know? oh, and yeah, it really yeah. felt anytime hanging out with you, it's like, geez, like this is the last time we're gonna really Losing Mike. Really hang with Mike. Now, yeah. do you feel like it fulfilled your expectations of being as hard to go out and kind of have that fun night out guilt free? Or did it live up to exactly what you thought? That's a really great question. So the 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 sort of like you know, I, I know the, the exact post, like, won't be doing this once the kid's here. I've got, yeah. like, two vodka sodas in my hand. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> um, so, so I'll say, okay, two things. When I posted those, I thought that I was going to be a lot more like, like, I thought I was going to be like, you know, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with friends, like, once a month now, once you have a kid, because I felt like your sole focus sort of becomes your kid, especially in that first, like, six months, whatever, when the mm -hmm. kid's really new and you don't know what you're doing. Um, that, it, it didn't end up being the case that I couldn't get out. Once I sort of got a feel for it, I, I did get out. But what has been true that I've, I've sort of realized as we've gone through, I think Winona's like 15 months now, is you, you, you don't get to party as much. You don't get to see your friends as much. There's so many, especially the way that sort of we, we were, we like hang out socially with our friends. Like it could be a random Tuesday and guys will go out after work for a pint. And then it kind of turns into a really fun night where it's just like before you know it, it's midnight and you're still sitting at the, the bar debating some movie or whatever. Yeah. It's like those, those things go away. And I miss those things because I, I like the sort of random nature of them. So yeah. now it's like you have to really plan and be like, OK, this is going to be the one night where we all get together. and we're gonna. But then it has a lot of pressure built around the night. So I, so, yeah, when you have a kid, I definitely feel like our life or my life has changed my social life as far as like going out, having a good time. Um, but you pick your spots and it's probably not as limited as I thought, but it, even if I hang out till two and have the laugh, it's like, I know I've got to pay for this in four hours. So what you do is you just end up actually passing on all that stuff because you know, you got to be up. Eventually you do. But I find in the initial stage, you'll push through to do it, but then the consequence outweighs the benefit. That's, That's a, a great point to me. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 you're like, I can still do this. I can still do this. And then it's like, you're, you're, you're dying and you're hanging out with the kid and you feel like this terrible father where you're like, Oh, I'm giving them half my effort here. I'm just, hope I'm waiting until, you know, I can hand her off. And you're like, this isn't conducive. So like, this isn't what I wanted to do. This isn't why I had a kid. And then, so you just end up sort of passing on, on the, the big nights and, or you like, you know, you, you go and you hang out and you get out of there by 10 30 or something. And then everyone's like, Oh, I might be shutting it down early, but you just kind of, 
like you said, you you just you become used to it. And then you kind of. I'm not going to lie to you. You do start kind of looking forward to going to bed early. And I never yes. thought that that. Would I happen. do yes. for sure. I've, I'm a person who's struggled with insomnia my whole life, but for some reason, having Lou. I'm in bed at nine sometimes, ten at the latest. We'll go up early yeah. and just. Oh yeah, and I'm always. Yeah. I'm always asleep now, and I'm always waking up, six forty-five. Yeah. With no problem too. So they're uh, better sleeps too. They're more. They're yeah. better yeah. sleeps because it's not like a hungover sleep where you haven't stayed up till one watching a movie and then you're trying to get a couple hours before work. It's yeah. It's there's benefits. Uh, and last question, and this is a question I always wonder uh, about many people, but myself especially. Like as I've gotten, or since I've had Lou, I find I'm kinder and softer. But I don't know if that's just a byproduct of being 36, so I've matured, or uh, I'm just more uh, aware of my own mortality or something. But have you found that you've grown kinder or softer or lost your quote-unquote edge since you've gotten older? Man, good question. I, I think you you touched on something interesting in posing that question, though. Is, is it a function of our age? Like, would this yeah. happen naturally, or is it a function of having a child? I, I think uh, I think that having a kid actually makes you more patient uh, in a lot of ways, and so maybe that sort of manifests in not seeming like you have an edge. Like, I have a lot more. I don't know. Like, I think like when you have the kid, I have a lot more empathy for like definitely other parents, whereas like. You know, I was never like a dick on a plane where I was like, oh, get that kid to be quiet. But I would definitely, once you see a parent coming with a kid before you have a kid, you're like, oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, well, I'm in for it now. Yeah. Whereas now if I see a parent with a kid, I just have nothing but like, ooh, this is going to be tough on the I feel, I feel for you. I, it's not a, a good feeling. So I think that does extend into other situations, mm -hmm. you know, like where you're just kind of like you're softer or more tolerant because you kind of have to always be tolerant with your kid anyway. So maybe it does start to seep into like, other interactions where you just sort of become that person um yeah i think i think so but i don't know i don't know if the answer is a kid or age i don't know do you yeah. think we were softening softening before we had kids shane like well i don't know i just found too like just you and i we both had kids pretty much at the same time like six yeah. months apart but we're both like i find nicer and two we work together we're around each other more than we're around our wives but we're yeah. just kinder to each other and getting on each other's nerves less and I find maybe that is because we're more patient around kids or something. Like I just noticed, no. oh, geez, like I'm having better working relationships with not only Mike, but everyone else because I'm less moody or something. No, I agree. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, you said something, too, actually, that I thought was interesting uh, a couple of weeks ago. There was some high stress thing at work. And, and in the past, you know, you and I would be like, oh, man, this is this is really stressing us out. And we'd sort of like really... Um, We'd think a lot about it, whether we like when we went home, we would take our work home with us. And you said something about like, I'm a dad now. Like I like like I have a kid. I don't give a shit right now. About yeah, this. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. like, I have real stuff to deal yeah. with when I go home. And I was like, oh, man, you sort of nailed it. And, and in a lot of ways, that kind of informs the way that we approach things now, which probably makes us less high stress, which probably led to you know, any of the sort of uh, the, the issues when we were working together before, back to back. Literally, we physically sit back to back and see each other eight hours a day. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I think uh, Alex has been uh, oddly quiet, just kind of... Uh, I know, Alex. No, I thought you no, were be this talking is, more. You know what? I, I just talked to um, two different uh, physiotherapists for the last 40 minutes about vaginas falling out of the vulva area so oh i was potato, taking this potato. <laughs> so i was taking this opportunity to kind of sit back and relax and you know what 
I was also saying in your intro that I'm such a big Mike on Much Pod fan. So it's kind of been nice to sit here and be a part of or like on the sidelines mm-hmm. of kind of a podcast between you guys. And mm-hmm. I, I just love it. I love to hear you guys talk. And like, Mike, you approach things with such um, like a wisdom, it sounds like. I don't know if you're if that's just the way you sound or if you truly are that wise, but it just it's really nice to hear uh, you guys talk about things. And well, when you're I, on I, the I like, air too, you're putting you put it on a little no, but bit more. I like right? I, I like the dad's perspective. I like the dad's perspective. Yeah. And Mike, you are actually in uh, an interesting position because you are one of the only dads that I know uh, out of like friends that we have uh, who has been the sole caregiver of your own daughter for like a week, I think. Oh yeah, when Dan Danica went away, Danica, yeah, yeah, yeah. She she has work stuff too. Like, so you mean like we're just me and and, and the baby for yeah. for a week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't yeah. I don't know too many dads who have done that or who would feel comfortable doing that. But leading up to that, were you nervous or did it just seem like you were you were inherently ready? Uh, no, I was nervous. I was definitely nervous because you just don't know how it's gonna go and when you have a, a partner and this is another reason I have a, a, an immense amount of empathy for anybody that does like raise a child on their own. I can't even imagine. So anyway, that aside, um, when Danica, when she was going away, I'm just like, it's so much like when she's there, you kind of have a safety net. Like she's so good with the meal plans and like yeah. she, she, she has everything figured out in a way that I can kind of coast a bit and, you know, do some more fun stuff when she's going away. It's like, okay, now I need to really like know how this ship operates. And so like, I just had to like, build out a full plan for myself where I plotted out the week and then I could just sort of like hit my marks sort of deal. So it took a lot of like sort of like pre-planning. And then as far as just like the, you know, interactions and the sort of mm-hmm. moods and all that, like I know my kids, so I felt good about that. It was more like, I just want to make sure that the trains still run on time and, and, you know, it's like I'm getting the right meals and all that stuff. So I just pre-planned a lot. Shane knows this too. Like from, from like when we do like shoots and we get stressed out about shoots, as long as you plan enough before you do it, the shoot actually goes easily because everything falls into place. Yeah. That's kind of how I approached that that week that we did. And that was pretty early on too. That was like six yeah. months or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, you feel, do you feel like you got a taste of the mental load? So a lot of times uh, moms will say that, you know, they have a bigger mental load than their husbands, which is a lot to carry uh, when you're a new mom. So that's like the just everyday development of the kid. What are they going to do? Doing the research on different parenting methods, doing the research on when they can eat something at a certain time about bottles. If they don't eat this, what can I feed them? How do I discipline them? What do I do in this situation? And I find anytime I was away early on in Lucy's life, I'd leave like a novel for the person who was caring for her, right? Just to get everything that I keep in that kind of mental load to get that all on paper so that they didn't have to do any on the spot thinking. And so do you feel like you kind of got a taste of that mental load being alone with Winona for the week? Or uh, was a lot of that kind of done in the pre-planning with the help of Danica Uh, maybe? A a small taste. So Danica, like what you just said really is what Danica uh, did as well. She sort of, she helped plan out the whole game plan uh, that I had um, as she was like going away. So everything that you just said, she did do that for me, which was helpful. Uh, uh, and helped me sort of build that out. Yeah. But when you talk about like sort of the mental load, I would say that I, I, I think that I got a small taste of it only in the sense that um, when it's just you and the kid for like six days straight, 
like you realize that like you're still with an infant like it's not you're yeah. not with other adults so it's like what who am i talking to you're not really getting anything back you're kind of like you're like there's nowhere to turn it's you can't isolating. Just be like yeah exactly and you're like like you kind of lose a sense of like your autonomy or or like oh i'm just gonna i'm gonna watch a movie or i'm gonna go have lunch somewhere <laughs> you just you can't do that you have a kid attached to you all the time so then by the end of the six days you're like wow this is really really tough when you can't take a break and have like a partner mm-hmm. to do it with yeah, so well, a little taste of it yeah no you're you're essentially like the butler of a dictator a cute mm. dictator yeah exactly anyway mike thanks for your time i know we took a little bit longer than we thought but uh the conversation was just too damn good it was mike (laughs) thank you so much for joining us tonight and you have a good night and uh you know watch that game it's guy time tonight (laughs) (laughs) it's saturday night it's my frazier sign off yeah, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, the last thing I was going to say is it's actually fun to do this because you're asking me all the questions. No, no one I ever know. asks me questions like that. It's it cool. is a little nerve-wracking, too, because <laughs> I was thinking, oh, this will be easy. I'm just talking to Mike. But I'm talking to you when we're on the podcast more as a friend, which is the record light blinking. Interviewing someone's uh, trickier than uh, people might think, especially if you know them well, too, to actually. Uh, I know. It's weird. It's like kind of like this weird thing. But, hey, we got through it. I thought that was fun. Yeah. That was great. And if all the Wait. shit parts, I'll just edit out. <laughs> it's literally two minutes long the whole yeah, it's just the intro hi mike how's it yeah. going watch the rappers game nope okay bye all right have a good night mikey later guys see ya all right so that was an awesome interview uh it was fun hearing you interview mike i did like that a lot i so to close we have just a few listener questions that we can fly through let's do it because okay? this is a longer episode so let's do yeah. this yeah so first question are you raising Lou with any kind of religion? She's going to be fundamentally Catholic because that's how I grew up and that's the school system she'll be going into. I am a Catholic teacher. Real answer, not really. Yeah. Fundamentally Catholic. Sure. And then she can choose. Uh, formula versus breastfeeding when you have lupus. So I breastfed and I had a really great experience with that. We did it for about 16 months. Um, however, my disease wasn't flaring in postpartum. Uh, if you're... Disease is flaring. I can see in so many ways how breastfeeding might impact that. So do whatever uh, is right for you. Talk to your doctors, talk to your rheumatologist, and figure that out with them. Next question. If hubby has to work out of town, do you enjoy the free time? Uh, no. I get I get real bored and I get real lonely. He's got like a Tuesday night thing where he goes out with one of his buddies, and I, I've come to love that night. Uh, I just like curl up and I watch Outlander and have a great time. I feel uh, like that's a show you're secretly you're not you're not having fantasies about this man. You are. You are. You're having fantasies. I consider that show almost a form of cheating. It's not. I don't have fantasies about that man. You. Okay. Honestly, the only thing I want is you to wear a kilt. I know. And pretend I'm him. No, no, no. Pretend you're you and just be you. And you being Scottish has now become so sexy. And all I want is you in a kilt once in a while. Answer this question. Yeah. And you feel for, if you don't want to answer, <laughs> just be silent. Uh, have you ever had a fantasy about this man and swear on Lou's life? <laughs> you can't. No. You swear on Lou's life? <laughs> no. Like, um... I think that's the answer there. He's coming out with uh, 
scotch that I Man. would like us to try. Okay. And Anyhow. You, and by the way, mm-hmm. for listeners, not for you, Alex gets jealous if I pick who my favorite person on The Bachelor is. <laughs> Don't say you like her. You like her? And I'm like, what do you like me to say? You're like, say she's good. I'm like, that sounds worse, but okay. And then the next week I was like, she's good. And then you gave me a similar look. <laughs> so I, you do it too. Anyway. All right. Uh, anyhow, I, I just, I generally don't like it when she ends at work because I don't get much time with him. And like, we really only get a couple hours. But you get some time with Highlander. What's his name? Jamie in the show. You get some time with Jamie. So that's good. Yeah. Once a week. And then I, I, I appreciate when, when Shane's home because he is. My favorite person to hang with. Um, do you and your spouse ever go to bed angry? We try not to, uh, but I think sometimes it's the best to just kind of say, okay, you know what, let's get to a point where we're talking normally, but we got to finish this in the morning because it's too late or we just need to kind of sleep and yeah, one cool time, Yeah, one time out of 10, maybe. Yeah, but usually, usually we uh, make up... We always kiss goodnight, and we really try. We try to get to that point. Okay. Any more? Mm-hmm. Thoughts on the U.S. mat leave being only six weeks long? Because this woman is thinking about having a baby, but she thinks that mat leave is outrageous. It is outrageous. That is disgusting. Uh, I won't get into my thoughts on U.S. politics too much, but they have no respect for mothers. Uh, they like to think that they have respect for family life, but how can you when you are giving? The people who are literally birthing your citizens, six weeks leave. If you get a C-section, you can't even drive until six weeks. Giving vaginal birth, I'm not allowed to have a bath or go in the water for six weeks. I don't even think you're technically cleared for sex for six weeks. So it's disturbing. I hate that. I did a quick search on um, mat leave around the world because I wanted to know what that was like compared to other developed countries. So, uh, according to the International Labor Organization, so it's a U.S. agency and they kind of mandate like social justice and they promote like good, decent work standards. So they recommend that mat leave should always be at least a minimum of 14 weeks with 66.7% compensation. So this is met by like most developed first world countries. Most countries meet this no problem. The best countries with their mat leaves, we got uh, Denmark and Norway, Serbia, Sweden, Croatia, and the UK. In these countries, women are given at least 52 weeks and between 80% to 100% compensation. That's insane. Canada, we get um, 12 months to 18 months, but not with nearly that much compensation. But we get a lot of time, a lot of job security, and it's, it's really wonderful. And I think our situation is good here. Uh, the worst countries for mat leave, we have Papua New Guinea, Swaziland, Tunisia, and the U.S. Mm-hmm. So the U.S. is down there with nations that are wait. Third so like world. Iran is better than yes, the U.S. Wow for mat leave, and so these countries get only between four and twelve weeks mat leave with zero percent compensation. So. That's truly disgusting. The U.S. tries to model itself as such a world leader in so many ways, yet it's it's mat leave, uh, 
is so limited. And well, gives, they are a leader in unfair mat leave. <laughs> they're but, a leader in a lot of unfair things to certain groups. Um, but yeah, that is ridiculous. And women in the U.S., you know, start talking about it. Start saying things. Start demanding more of your government. They're there to serve you. And, you know, that needs to be changed. Word up. Now, let's do one more because this is the longest podcast in the world. Yeah, uh, I don't have any more questions. Good. Uh, do you have anything to ask me, honey bunny? Will you wear a kilt for me once in a while? Absolutely. And thank you for listening to This, this Family, Family Tree, Tree Podcast. Podcast. Episode 23. Bada boom.